Welcome to Nashville Savvy. I'm your host, Megan Lee with Seedlick, and welcome to our Metro Council rundown for the week since we had a council meeting. Uh, we also have a couple other fun things coming up, so thanks for joining me. I'm going to jump right into Metro City Council in our Lately section because it was a little bit calmer this week than two weeks ago when we had the craziest, most unorganized council meeting I feel like I've ever seen, which is saying something. This week, I feel like it was a lot more organized. It was a lot more properly done. It was nicer. People were kinder when they were speaking to each other. It might have had something to do with the fact that Bill Purcell was there with a bunch of students who were observing how Metro City Council works. So perhaps people were on their best behavior. Also, it was a shorter week for us. It wasn't going until, you know, almost one in the morning like it did two weeks ago. So maybe it was just an easier docket. But there is a this looming cloud that is starting to wash over the Metro City Council. And it has to do with a couple things. One, density. Two, zoning. And of course, we have all these other visionary initiatives that are happening here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I want to talk about density specifically, because this is a push that we've seen in Nashville touted as a solution for population growth. It also hit fits hand in glove with the city visionaries who want Nashville to evolve into something that it's never really been before a walking city, a biking city, a bus city, kind of all these ideas that when you look around at other major cities, people here who want that same type of feel are trying to increase density, which would also potentially be a good way to introduce things like public transit, more greenways, more walkways, just a walkable, bikeable city as we've seen in the past. Of course, we were not built uh, the same way that other older cities are. We didn't evolve from being foot traffic and horses into eventually automobiles and having mass transit systems put in in between. We kind of were a destination that was not on the radar until after the automobile was invented. Our whole system is not, the city system in itself is not really conducive to this vision of walkable, bikeable. Of course, I know people would disagree with that, but at the very least, we can all agree that this did not evolve like some of those cities that we see that have these larger transit programs, that have these larger walkway, bikeway, sidewalk initiatives that connect the entire city as as it has evolved over the years. But of course, People who love the idea of eating and sleeping and working and playing and all of those things within a, a downtown radius, they need the proper accommodations and the, and, and the amenities to do that. And they also need the dedicated funding, which is what we're seeing with this transit plan. The mayor wants to dedicate funding to the transit, which is really what his initiative is all about, is the dedicated funding. We'll get back to that sometime next week on our podcast, because that's a really important thing to notice. But besides that, you have to have the dedicated funding simply to keep this vision functioning. All these things cost money and they have to be kept up. And if the vision, if the vision itself is fading, <laughs> if there's no funding, then the actual apparatus in which it's functioning will also fade. Buses, you know, break down and roadways and walkways go neglected, as we've seen with all sorts of potholes. And then what happens, though, when 
the but the buy-in doesn't actually live up to the expectations of what is desired out of this vision this vision that they have the social engineering that they're doing to try to change patterns of behavior such as where you spend your money or what ideas are allowed to flourish in the city those can those external forces can definitely help change the actual actions of Nashvilleians and what grows here and what's acceptable as far as who can do their business here. But can you actually legislate adherence to this vision? Probably not. And in fact, I'd argue that it leads to empty stakeholders who are buying in for the benefits and the tax write-offs and the artificial market advantage. It could also lead to this usury by those who are forced to adhere to the design, but they never actually wanted to engage in it. It's almost like it, it, it kind of brews some bitterness for those who didn't really want to buy in and pay for all this stuff. It also is very disappointing to those who bought into this vision, but then are let down because, you know, not everybody is willing to do the right thing to make this work. And so you're going to see disappointment across the board if you're only trying to socially engineer this through incentive structures and not actually create some type of bridge between what people actually desire, what they want for their city, what works for them, and then what these incentive structures are delivering for. So when we look at density struggles, I want to bring up this first video of a gentleman who spoke during the council meeting because he seems to be somebody who's bought in. But I want you to listen to the issues that he's having now that he's part of this uh, denser Nashville. Are struggling to have existing codes enforced against businesses that are not good neighbors. We chose to live in an area that is dense, that is racially and socioeconomically diverse. There are people in our neighborhood who work second shift and third shift that need for businesses to adhere to the existing rules about noise. We have had many interactions with folks at Hub Nashville and wonderful Metro police officers who have come by to respond to our repeated complaints, but we have not found our council member or codes more generally to be responsive to our repeated requests. All right. So you heard it from somebody who actually wanted to take advantage of a denser Nashville, advantage of these venues and things being nearby. Very disappointed sounding. In fact, uh, I will let you guys know that his council member is one of our favorite Democratic Socialists in Metro City Council, Sean Parker. And he is specifically pointing to the council, the code enforcement, and specifically his council member who is not being responsive to these issues. And the thing is, this is something, of course, denser Nashville is going to be it's going to impose more. You're when you live closer to people, they impose on your space. They the noise imposes on your space and your peace of. He went on to talk about like you know interrupting the peace of being able to enjoy the peace of my own property. But when you're talking about density, when you're talking about all these initiatives, then some of that's going to get sacrificed. And his argument here is that we have rules in place, nobody's enforcing them. I'm having to call MMPD. I'm, in a, I'm having to make my complaints on HUD Nashville all the time, but then I can't actually get any interface with people who are supposed to be enforcing these codes. And this is only, if, if this is a reflection of how this is going, and we're going to keep pushing for density, and we're going to keep pushing for all of these buy-ins that have to be kept up by metro government, especially some of these more, uh, you know, these big initiatives like the transit initiative, then 
what happens when there's not this responsiveness to kind of help people keep things flowing and working in a way that was what the vision was supposed to be in their mind. Now, of course, if you're being honest with yourself, it's to be expected. It's going to, of course, if you're living closer to people, it's going to get louder. Of course, if you're incentivizing density and you're incentivizing businesses to come and work and play all in the same area, you're going to get honky tonks. Uh, You know, we have a, we have a destination city music city and downtown is saturated. Of course, honky tonks are going to start to move over to East Nashville. That was the bill that he was talking about was that this, uh, this, this honky tonk from Brooklyn was going to be moving a couple blocks away from this gentleman. And he was like, I do not want to have to deal with the fact that this, they're not even going to adhere to the sound ordinances because they're not going to have to, because nobody actually enforces them. So there's a little bit of trouble in paradise when it comes to the density buy-in because the vision isn't matching with the experience. And we're going to keep seeing more of this as we go forward. And speaking about density and kumbaya sharing of, of all amenities with each other in one peaceful utopian vision, I want to play this clip by uh, another new favorite council member, Quinn Evans Siegel, who was speaking on a change that she wanted to make to incentivize people to allow their open spaces to be open to the public. So here's the clip. Everybody, instead of to the select few who can buy into these subdivisions. Oh, that was just the end of it. So let's go from it the It just beginning. provides an incentive to have a conversation where we say, what is right for everybody in Davidson County? How can we create pathways and incentives for people to provide goods to everybody instead of to the select few who can buy into these subdivisions? Now, not to call uh, Ms. Quinn Evans Siegel out, but this seems like a rules for the type of situation. She's calling out these, you know, these subdivisions who have these, um, they have these privileges because they bought into a subdivision that has these open spaces. And and really, we should incentivize them to make them open to all people so all people can use their open green spaces. But is she inviting people into her backyard to use her amenities, to use, I don't know where, where she lives, but I <laughs> I have a little bit of an inclination. And um, no, she's not. I, I doubt that she's inviting the neighbors or the entire of Davidson County into her backyard as like, you know, public open space. But, you know, the big bad developers who want to close off and have private open space. Uh, They need to be opening this up uh, for everyone. Your backyard is now our backyard. This reminds me of like the, your America's children or your children are our children. I remember the vice president saying that a a little while back. And it's a little concerning just because of the direction that they're pushing everything. The notion itself sounds altruistic, kind-hearted, sounds pretty benign, and the idea is fine. In fact, I would encourage people who do want to reach out with lands that they would like to make of public use for people around in the neighborhood. That's perfectly fine. But then we get into liability. We get into upkeep. Putting all of this under the umbrella of the incentives of a metropolitan government is just a gateway to the government being in control of all of these things. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but that's what this sounds like. And she did not, she was not making friends uh, during this <laughs> this week's council meeting. This is a second week uh, meeting in a row where she's kind of really upset the people. Sorry, my cat's just going crazy. Uh, this is a second uh, meeting in a row where she's really upset other council members by not 
reaching out and discussing things with the body and just pulling the trigger on her own initiatives. And we saw that with her zoning that would do a bunch of things uh, for all of the zoning requirements across Davidson County that really rubbed a lot of her fellow council members the wrong way because it affects their constituents, their areas as much as it uh, affects her own. And then this, of course, she was adding, trying to add an amendment on her fellow council members bill to set up this incentive structure, but the planning commission would not approve of her actual amendment And she was arguing, well, we could still pass it even if the planning commission doesn't approve it. And in fact, I think that I've only heard a few people who don't like this amendment. I think that we could pass it even though it would require a higher threshold of votes. It would require 27 of the 40 members to vote it through. Very confident. While when they voted on it, only 11 people voted for this and it failed. So her coalition or her idea is a little bit of of how much support she has for this stuff as she kind of spearheads all these large like changes to the zoning code in Davidson County as a new council member. She's not, she's a little delusional when it comes to the actual support she has from fellow council members thinking that you could have passed it with 27 votes and then only getting 10. That's, that's telling, but it also is telling because it does show that she does have a little bit of a coalition. And those people who are willing to back her on this amendment are probably those the same types of people who were willing to back her on all of these new zoning laws that she's trying to pass for all of Davidson County. So we'll be keeping an eye on this little cohort that is trying to ram through a bunch of these changes to the coding and the zoning. And uh, that's just going to bring us uh, into our next segment of something a little lighthearted, because to be honest with you, stressing out over all the zoning issues here in Nashville. So we're going to go into local corner. Local corner. We're going to pull up a video in a second of a song that was released by a local artist, but he's also a gentleman who um, he has done some on the ground reporting of specifically all of these protests are going on for Palestine that keep happening over on West end. I don't know if you guys remember it. They're still doing them every weekend. They do them over in the, the, what is it? The bicentennial mall. They go over and march through and march up and down West end. And, and we have shared some of that on Twitter, but uh, they are still out there. But I guess the leader of that movement kind of is backed off because of her affiliation. I'm pretty sure with Vanderbilt, I think she was getting some heat for some of the stuff that she was saying during those rallies. But this gentleman goes right out into the field and just asks people's not pointed questions, open questions about like, why are you here? What does this mean? What does from the river to the sea mean? He goes by Mr. Do-Gooder on Twitter, but his name is Ramat Hamer and he released this song and it's actually about, uh, Ronna McDonald or uh, Ronna McDaniel, who is the chair of the um, RNC. So I'm just going to play the clip first. <laughs> For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will yield my time to you. You, you. Damn it, Ronna. Damn it, Ronna. Damn it, Ronna. 
Oh my goodness. So uh, of course it's a funny video. He uses Vivek Ramaswamy's voice over in the beginning of the song and it's very catchy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not usually a big fan of, you know, political songs unless it's kind of more nuanced. I, it's, I get that everything is political, but I still like to just listen to music that's about the beautiful things in life and politics are not one of them. But this is a hilarious song. It made me laugh. It was the best thing that has happened this year so far as far as um, stuff that has come out and made me laugh on a local level when it comes to making fun of some of these people who are in our political system. Of course, the Republican Party has uh, having uh, Rana in this in this position has not voted well for them. Though she gained two Senate seats back in 2018, they she lost 40 in the House. And then we lost both chambers of Congress in 2020 and the presidency. So she doesn't have this pristine track record. And um, this video, this music video that was released, you could definitely check out. You could go to his Twitter. You could go check it out on YouTube and watch the full video. But it's my local for corner for this week because it just actually made me laugh about politics again because... <laughs> Instead of driving me to drink is what really the politics are doing during the presidential election year this year. But we're going to wrap it up with uh, Justin Jones in our Metro Mayhem. <laughs> Metro Mayhem. Jones is not Metro, but Jones is District 52. He's a representative here that out of in Nashville, which actually overlaps with, uh, you know, our our area. And uh, I wanted to pull up this. Um, well, what's pulled up on the screen is actually a article that was re-released this week that I wrote. Justin Jones is bad at his job. I'm posting the question, like, is he actually doing the job that he's hired to do? And I did think I talked about this a little bit last week, but when you go through his track record and how he's alienating all of his fellow colleagues, you can't really expect to pass anything. You can't expect to have any type of support when you're actually trying to change legislation. When you, when you basically ask, like you just push all of your colleagues to the side, you don't really care about destroying their reputations or saying ridiculous things about them. Very hyperbolic as far as as that goes, but the hyperbole continues because last weekend there was this Nazi rally in uh, in Nashville, which I'm not even going to comment on it because it's not worth commenting on it. Nobody, nobody likes Nazis. Nobody, I mean, I'm Nazis obviously like Nazis, but it's not a party issue. Like keep everybody who is of sane, um, who is the same person in America is going to condemn white supremacy. They're going to condemn Nazis. They're going to condemn people who dehumanize others. Speaking of dehumanizing, I want to pull up this tweet that this week, Justin Jones put out after talking to Jen Psaki on MSNBC. And he was just talking about this, this Nazi rally. And he was trying to get the Republicans to not just denounce it because they did denounce this rally, this rally, but they, he also wants there to be some type of change. But I want you to look closely to this language. My Republican colleagues claim not to support neo-Nazis, but the truth is neo-Nazis support them. I'm going to break this down after we say that, after I read the whole thing. White supremacy is not a fringe of their party. It's the center promoting racism and division. If they want to condemn neo-Nazis, they have... They do not need a resolution. They need to look in the mirror. This is a classic triangulation. It's sowing chaos is what this is. And it's a it's a A 
equals B and B equals C, therefore A equals C equation. You can't help but read between the lines here is that there's nothing that a Republican can do to cleanse themselves. They are Nazis, basically. Is he is he trying to then basically eradicate Republicans writ large? There's no he's not offering any type of uh, there's no way to prove that if you're a Republican, you're not a Nazi by these standards of what he's written here. And that's exactly the point. And people trying to and this is where at the point where you just have to ignore all of his bloviation because there's no appeasing a person like this. There's nothing that you can do. The only thing he wants is to sow chaos. And if you aren't going to do things the way that he wants them done, then you apparently are a Nazi sympathizer or a Nazi yourself. So it sounds to me that Justin Jones is going down the road of we should just eradicate Republicans, which is something that we've also seen inching towards uh, some of the rhetoric that we see from the Democrats during this presidential election is trying to bundle all of the MAGA Republicans together as bad people who we need to not give any platform to at all whatsoever. This is terrifying in many respects, but also ridiculous. It should be completely ignored because there's nothing here. There's no appeasing. There's no there's no middle ground. There's nothing here because it is bloviation. It is hyperbole and it's fault. It's just craziness is what it really is. And so I just wanted to call out that this is kind of what, as we go forward, even if we see a resolution from the body officially condemning Nazis and white supremacy, it's never going to be enough. I wouldn't be surprised that he did talk about um, the condemnation and the the call to ex to what is it deport the illegal aliens, which of course he's calling all immigrants and. There are two sides of this coin because dehumanization is always terrible. And and I'm kind of probably have a more fringe view of this is that the mistake was made when we allowed Biden to completely open the border. We should have people should have come out with strong leadership at that point and shut it down from the get go. And so it's very disappointing that we waited three years to even make a move like Governor Abbott made, you know, a couple of weeks ago where he's like, no, we're going against the federal government. We have to shut it down. But now we have we had this influx of people who came in here illegally and I'm not of the mind to bundle them all together. I've said this in an analogy before. Remember when they used to test, if you were a witch, they would bind you up. They would put you in a bag. They'd throw you in the river. And if you drown, well, then you were a witch, but if you survive, then you're a witch. (laughs) That's not what should be done when it comes to um, these people who saw the incentive of coming into a country that has this economic prosperity and now they're here. We have to deal with this. We, we definitely need to shut the border and we definitely need to figure out what we're going to do to figure this out. I That is above my pray grade. So I do not have to come up with those solutions. Dehumani- dehumanizing all of these people is not, in my opinion, at all the way to go. It doesn't mean that you can't absolutely hold them accountable, though. That's that's This is a whole different story. But I can see how even if the Republican legislature comes forward with some type of resolution denouncing white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera, that Jones might just come back around and be like, well, you're still calling for the deportation of these immigrants, aka illegal aliens. And really, it sounds like you are, we should just be deporting the Republican Party because they're really just bigoted, racist, Nazi sympathizing 
heartless fascists. Like that's, I could see him spinning it where he's like, now we have to deport the uh, Republican GOP who refuses to show humanity, you know, to these, uh, to these illegal aliens. And it's a nuanced conversation and the tensions are obviously always going to be heightened during an election year kind of ticks me off that they can use this same marketing ploy every four years. And it's from both sides of the party. Uh, you know, we really need to see some true leadership and we need to see some skin in the game. And that's my that's my hot take on that. I do not wish to throw the baby out with the bathwater as far as there was an incentive structure that allowed illegal immigrants to come to this country. And there should be a process that they should go through. They should do all the things that are expected of actual citizens of America. They do not, they are not they don't they're not just entitled to having all of the freedoms and the rights as actual citizens of America. But I do not think that doing just throwing them all back out is necessarily it's just a very extreme reaction to very poor leadership and non-action by the Republican Party and the Democratic Party when this was becoming such a big issue. Uh, of course, like I said, about my pray grade, I cannot fix this problem. But that was Metro Mayhem. Maybe we need to change the order of this. Le- ending on such a sour note every single podcast. I feel like I need to put something, I need to come up with some other lighthearted thing. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. Maybe I'll do like a, a guest photo of the week for the end so we could end on a high note instead of these crazy... <laughs> the mayhem of the world at the end of every single podcast, but I'll see you guys next week. And, uh, I hope that you have a good rest of your weekend. Stay, uh, stay informed.